The first reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, verse 23 to 29, which can be found on page 784 in the Pew Bible. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name, just as their ancestors forgot my name through Baal worship. Let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream. Let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. To you, O Lord. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I came to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Father, we ask that we would hear your word, that I would be a faithful speaker of your words. Come, Holy Spirit, and be with us today. Amen. Amen. So it seems to me, having observed for a little while, that the trend at St. Matthew's is to speak without notes. Well, I hope you don't mind, but I made just just a few here. I'll just refer to them every now and then. There's just just one or two little, little notes here. Is that okay? You don't mind if I have a... Have a look at those occasionally. I'm just going to blue tack them up here. I've even got some drawings, look. And a flow chart. So you can check if I'm following where I should be going. I'm going to take what I want to say from Jeremiah today. Jeremiah uh, was a priest in Old Testament times. And he was from a very priestly family. But he heard very clearly from God. 
And um, he ended up in exile in Egypt. And uh, the story is that he was stoned by his own people because they didn't like the message he had. So it is, I have to say, with a little fear and trepidation that I seek to reinterpret that message for us here at St. Matthew's. Originally, Jeremiah was in Judah. Now, I think from the maps, and I could be wrong, if there's any scholars here, please correct me afterwards, but I think Judah was about the size of Wales. And on the southeast, they had... um, Egypt, a huge empire, Egyptian empire. And in the northwest, they had Assyria, also a huge empire. Assyria fell, and Babylon, Babylon, can't pronounce it, Babylon took over their empire. And so there was tiny little Judah stuck in the middle of these huge, power-hungry empires. They both wanted the land, and successive kings of Judah played political games, playing one power off against the other, trying to get the best deal for Judah. And what what had happened was both these powers had got quite sick of Judah and their power playing, and they thought, it's only only a little country, we'll just invade. And so there were God's people. They were frightened. They'd lost their land. Uh, to, the, to the south, the temple had been destroyed. Some of God's people had already been taken into exile. And so, strange though it may seem, I think that has quite a lot to say to us today. We may think that England's quite a powerful country, but actually, you look at the fall of the euro, you look at the destablement of the European Union, you look at the rise of America, the rise of China, and it can feel quite frightening sometimes. I must admit, I don't watch the news very often, because it kind of gets a bit worrying on occasion. And as Christians, we're here in an increasing secular society, We can feel quite marginalised. We can feel quite worried about saying, yes, I'm a Christian. It can be very difficult. I know certainly when I was working in Hog Robinson in Reading, being a Christian certainly wasn't a popular option. And so what did Jeremiah say to the people of Israel, or Judah, sorry? He said, he didn't, well, what he didn't say was, oh, this is terrible, this is awful, what are we going to do? He actually said, we have an amazing God. We have a God that out of difficulty and all this disruption, out of when his people are in exile, we have a creator God, an amazing God, a God that threw the stars into the sky. We have a God of possibilities. A God who's not stumped by it. And actually, if you read the stories in the Bible, history is full 
of people who are against God thinking they're getting their own way. But actually, God's hand is on his people throughout the whole Bible. It's actually God's history and the history of the people of God. And so what Jeremiah said was, yeah, this this could look a bit difficult, but actually, I think God is calling us and God is yearning to have a relationship with us. He understood that God's heart was bleeding for his people. And he said, actually, God is promising restoration and revival. But before we have restoration and revival, we need to repent and return to holiness. And that's quite, that is quite a difficult message to hear. But that's what Jeremiah wanted to, to call his people to. And I think there is something there for us today. I think we, as, a, as St. Matthew's, as, as Christians in a secular country, want to see revival. A lot of us pray regularly for St. Matthew's to be, to, to be expanded, for the pews to be full, for the people out there to hear the message of God, just as God's people then were saying, we desperately need revival here. And yet, Jeremiah was saying, actually, it starts with us. It starts with repentance and holiness. I'm just going to look at my notes. Just (laughs) excuse me one minute. What had happened with the people of God was, as we heard in our passage, they had some of them in exile in Babylon, some of them in exile in Egypt, some of them in Judah, had married local people, they'd taken up local uh, worship practices, they had had, um, listened to the false prophets, they'd started worshipping foreign gods, they had forgotten who God was. They had lost their expectation that God was going to act. They had actually, when Jeremiah says in the passage, am I a God close? He's talking about, what, where, why can't you hear me? Why are you trying to box me in? Why have you brought me down to your level? Why can't you understand the possibilities of what I can do? Now, I know that all of us wouldn't consider that we would worship foreign gods. And we don't. You know, we, we don't go after Krishna. And we, we can see the blatant materialism. And we, quite, we can be quite oblivious to that. But I, I would suggest that with the people of, of Judah, with God's own people, it was a lot more subtle and nuanced than that. Actually, it was, it was about absorbing the local culture. It was, it was not about worshipping foreign gods, although some did. But it was much more about forgetting who God was, about going after what's in the local culture. 
And, I th- and I'm speaking to myself here too. I think we can all do that. We, we can, uh, you know, all of us would say to teenagers, no, you must not go for cosmetic surgery. It's ridiculous. But what about the health and fitness industry? It's, it's enculturated. All of us would say to discriminate against people is wrong. But perhaps we might think, mm, I'm not sure I can relate to older people. It's, it's, abs- it's insidious and it's, it just creeps in. And I suspect that that's what had happened to the people of Judah. That they had forgotten God. That's what the passage in Jeremiah says. That if you go after foreign gods, you forget who God is. You bring him down to our level. And actually, he becomes a little human idol. Some of us might have a picture of God as a rather benevolent Father Christmas. Some of us might feel that he is a a tyrant waiting for us to get it wrong so that he can tell us off. But actually, the story in Jeremiah is of a God who loves his people, who is desperate to replenish them, is absolutely desperate to form a relationship. And God hasn't changed at all. He is desperate to form relationships with the people who aren't in church on Sundays. He's desperate to refresh and to renew Christianity in in England. The other thing Jeremiah said to the people of Judah was you can't rely on the fact that you are Jewish. It's not, it, it, won't, it won't help your faith. Just as for us, coming to church on a Sunday isn't what it's about. It's about so much more. It is about this call to repentance and holiness. And that's, that is a difficult message. And I think sometimes we can find it very difficult to understand what, what the call to holiness is. Repentance is one thing. You do something wrong, you say you're sorry. That's quite easy to understand. But holiness, which was Jeremiah's big message... How, what is that about? How, how do we achieve that? Well, I think the simple answer is bringing our lives under the spotlight, spotlight of the Holy Spirit. I think it's... Um, sorry, leave me notes. <laughs> it's a God-centered life. That's it. That was the phrase Mark came up with it last night. A God-centered life. And I think it's not about becoming so holy that we're in a completely different dimension. That we can't see what's going on in front of our nose. If you read that passage, certainly that first bit of of, uh, Hebrews 11, God is talking about very physical Things, very physical people who actually were looking to see what God was doing in the messiness of life. And I think a lot of holiness 
is seeing what God is doing in the messiness of life, where we are, are called to be. Jesus came down here in a physical body. We have physical bodies ourselves. We are called to be here and to seek God here. And wherever it is God has called you, that's where it is he wants you to live your God-centered life and to show people to him. It's, it's about, with Jeremiah, taking time out sometimes to see the mess, to see the difficulties and say, Lord, what is it you're saying? Are you saying something here? Have you got a message through what is happening? Life is difficult sometimes and tough, but actually it's about what God is saying and it's about sometimes just raising our eyes slightly higher. It's about living in community. It's about loving and supporting each other. Sometimes people fall because they don't feel supported. Sometimes leaders fall because they felt they didn't need the support. And we've, we've all heard stories of prominent Christian leaders who have toppled because both them and their congregations felt they were, they were above temptation and didn't need support. And we all need the support of living in community. And sometimes finding God is about being with the difficult people and the uncomfortable people who make us think, mm, not sure I want to be here. So Jeremiah's message was one of not boxing God in, of being, of being, I know he didn't know Christ, but for us, of being Christ in the difficult places, of pointing people to God, even when it was unpopular and difficult. He, he constantly, if you read Jeremiah, he's constantly calling his people back to God, constantly talking to them about leading holy lives. The other thing Jeremiah did was said, talk to God. And I think if we read the Psalms, it's full it's full of questions and doubts and where are you and what, have, what on earth are you playing with and I can't stand these people, Lord. And it's, I, I love it because it is all so human, the Psalms. And I think it's about working out where God is. David spent, when he wrote the Psalms, he spent a lot of time working out where God was. And actually, often they come to the conclusion You've been with me always, and you are with me today. And I think the other message to take from the Psalms and to take from Jeremiah is that God isn't afraid of those difficult questions. God isn't afraid of our doubts and our worries. The the Bible is full of people who doubted and worried. Even Christ on the cross called out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think we need, in order to become a holy people, to lay those doubts and worries, 
those difficult questions before each other and before God. So I think Jeremiah's message of calling his people to repentance and to holiness is so relevant for us today. I'd like to finish. I'm sure, if I, how am I doing for time, Pads? I didn't put my timer on. Am I all right? Okay. I, I will finish now with um, uh, a, a, a prayer from St. John of the Cross, who was a 7th century monk. It's, the language is, is quite unusual, but I think sometimes that helps to spark things off with us. You have cast a spell of longing over me, O Christ, and changed me with your yearning. But burn up my sin in immaterial fire and make me worthy to be filled with delight in you, that dancing I may magnify your two comings, O good one. Amen.